Okay, thank you. See you. A very good evening, everyone. I want to thank you all for coming and participating in this uh, book launch. Uh, there was no charge for admission and you were under no obligation to buy a book. However, in order to leave the building, you'll have to show the book that you bought. History is narrative. Stories are personal. History tells us a general picture. It's punctuated by individual uh, events and characters, uh, but it always uh, looks for general forces in society that bring about the events that we call history. Stories are not like that. Stories are about people. They are very personal. And uh, if I could be bold enough to say it, no. uh, Judaism is stories. It's less history and more stories. Uh, when we want to talk about Yetzirah Mitzrayim, we say, Sipur Yetzirah Mitzrayim. We're going to tell you the story about Egypt, about going out of Egypt. We're not going to tell you history, how many pharaohs and what the Jewish people did. And we're not interested in that. I want to tell you the story. The story always revolves about people. Moshe, Aaron. Aaron is part of the story. And we see the Torah generally is stories, so to speak. All of Chumash Breshis. The Torah begins by telling us the story of creation and Odomarishon and Gan Eden and the serpent. Now, uh, the Torah could have told us uh, Big Bang theories. It could have told us about explosions of galaxies, about a universe that is flying apart as we sit here at millions of miles per minute. The Torah chose not to do that because what makes the Torah memorable is it speaks about people. And the Torah describes itself as such. Kizeh Sefer Toldos Odom. This is the book about human beings. And human beings are stories. And uh, throughout Jewish history and uh, the literature of the rabbis and Talmud Chachomim, uh, those are all stories. The Chumash Breshev, Avram Avinu is a story. Yitzchok is a story. Yaakov is a story. 
Rachel and Leah's a story, Lovam's a story, Yosef and the brothers are stories. Somebody would want to write about the geopolitical situation pertaining between Egypt and the rest of the Middle East at the time of Yaakov and Yosef. So that would be at best history. But the Torah doesn't approach it from that way. The Torah approaches it from a story that happens within a family of recognizable problems. The brothers that somehow misunderstand each other. And it's out of the consequences of the little story that the great big story is built, not vice versa. In the Talmud, there was a uh, famous uh, Amora, Rabba Barbarchana. Rabba, the son of Barchana. He was a storyteller. The Gmurim of Abbasra discusses his stories. His stories are fantasies. The Gemara calls them, calls them guzmot, exaggerations, fantasies, fanciful stories, surrealistic. Uh, we would call them fairy tales. I want to ask you, the Gemara's got room for fairy tales? What do they do? What is it doing there? So the Meforshim explained that every one of his stories had a moral. And that many times in order to import and impart a moral message, the most effective way to do till tomorrow. But I'll tell you a story about an honest person. It's in my book, one of the stories about Eretz Yisrael. That my wife and I bought a carpet from a Jew on Rechov Yafo. Nice Svartic Jew. And uh, we went back a year later and we wanted a carpet, another room in the house. So he bought another carpet from him. And he said what the price was, and we paid him and uh, paid him in cash and goodbye. Then for two or three years, we were not unable to return here until finally we made Aliyah 29 years ago, exactly this time of the year. And uh, my wife said, let's go. There's one more piece of carpet that we have to buy. And when your wife says that there's a piece of carpet you have to buy, there's a piece of carpet that you have to buy. So we went. I walk in the door. I haven't seen this Jew in must be two and a half years. And he jumps up with alacrity. He says, oh, I'm waiting for you. I figured he wants to sell me who knows what. 
He says, last time you were here, you bought a piece of carpet. And I went over to books and I overcharged you 50 shekel. And he takes out of his wallet and he has 50 shekel wrapped with a note that says, Robbie Barrel Vine on it. And he says, I'm so glad you came. Here's the 50 shekel. So that story to me states more about honesty than all the lectures I can give you about honesty. Because it's a personal story. It really happened to me. If I don't want to be cheated, then why should I think I could cheat others? So in the stories of Rabbi Barbara Khanna, there are morals, there are lessons. And over the ages, uh, the great rabbinic scholars have tried to mine this field, have tried to develop what are the moral stories. I'll just give you one example. You know, I would give you a long lecture tonight, but it's free. So this is, uh, this will have to do. Rabbi Barbachana tells the following story. He said people are on a boat, on a ship. And they get caught in the middle of a hurricane, of a typhoon. Like the prophet Yonah. And the boat is about to sink. So the captain of the boat says, everybody has to get off and swim for your lives. In the distance, they see what they think is an island. And it's got palm trees and fruit trees. And it looks like it has life on the island. So everybody jumps off and starts swimming towards this island. And when they reach it, they clamor up, breathless, gratified that they have saved themselves. And then the island, which was the back of a great humpback whale, turns over and they all drown. That's the story in the Gemara. I heard this story from my rabbeim when I was, uh, I don't know, 12, 13. So the Rebbe said, you should know the guzmos of Rabbi Barachana have deep meaning. He said, the history of the Jewish people how many times have the Jewish people jumped onto what they thought was an island and it ended up a whale that turned over on them? When he said that, and this was immediately after the Shoah, so it impressed me. It impressed me because he taught me that uh, much of what we consider to be secure is really false. Does not, does not, it's the back of a whale, it's not an island. Come a day it'll turn over. 
So that's the power of a story. So the Talmud is replete with stories, stories about individuals, about husbands and wives, about children, every kind of story imaginable is in the Talmud. Some are humorous, some are tragic, but they're all human. Here we're talking about people. Because all of life is really people. Everything else is extraneous. And then uh, in the Jewish world, there were storytellers. Famous people. Uh, There was a Jew in the 13th century from Spain and Provence, Binyamin of Tudela. He's got a street name for him here. So it's Binyamin, but everybody calls it Tudela. Tudela is the name of a town in uh, Spain. This man was an inveterate traveler. Spent his whole life traveling. And he wrote the diary of his travels. We have the book, Masod Binyomin Mitudela, The Travels of Binyomin of Tudela. And it's a window into medieval Jewish society, Spain, Provence. He was in London. He was in the Middle East. He was Constantinople. He came to Eretz soil. And it's all stories. It's not stories about Roman emperors or holy Roman emperors or the politics of the times. It's fascinating. He writes, he came to the great Jewish city of Lunel. Lunel is a town in Provence in southern France. The Jews in southern France, Provençal Jews, they were neither Ashkenazim nor Svartim. They're Provençal. It's a brand unto itself. And they were great Talmidic Chachomim, the great yeshivas, famous. The rivet of Pasquares who disagreed with the Rambam is one of them. There was a, a rov called Rabbeinu Yonason Cohen. Rabbi Yonason the Cohen, he was the rov Lunel. The rivet wrote on him, Hakohen Agodol Me'echot. The rivet doesn't throw out compliments. He says he's so excited, he's coming to Lunel. He writes a city major metropolis in the Jewish world, it has 300 Jews. It's one building in Wolfson, maybe. We don't realize what world we live in. 300 Jews in the Lunel, Chachme Provence, the Jews that came from Lunel, which means the moon, lunar, So they called themselves Hayarchi, from the Yoreach. And if they came from a town 
that was like Florence of Flowers, so they called themselves Aparchi from Perach. And if they came from a town that was known for its sunset and sunlight, so they called themselves Ayarchi from the moon or Ashimshi from the sun. So that's a story. He writes stories, all kinds of stories. But after stories, you wouldn't know about the Rishonim. You wouldn't understand what they're talking about. You wouldn't understand who they are. Why is Rabbeinu Menachem called Amiri? Why isn't he called Rosenzweig? So stories tell us a great deal. And then in later times, Rabbi Yaakov Enden wrote a famous book of stories. Going all of them, he's writing stories. He writes the story of his own personal lifetime. He writes the story about when he was 18 years old, his father, the Chacham Tzvi, Tzvi Ashkenazi, who was the Rav in Ahu, and later in Amsterdam, and then later came to London. So uh, he traveled with his father, and they traveled to a certain town in Germany. And they stayed at the house of a uh, notable Jew in that town. And that notable Jew had a daughter. And he writes, he fell in love with the daughter. And he wanted to marry her. And his father disallowed him. And even though he says, he could have married her anyway, he didn't. But he said he loved her his entire life. Later on, he gets married to another woman. They have children. and that's. Uh, I don't know if he ever told the story to the other woman, maybe. But at the end, this woman became a widow of a very wealthy Jew in a German city called Emden. And she arranged that Rabbi Yaakov should come and be the Roman Emden. And that's why he's called Rabbi Yaakov Emden. Now that's a human story. You will not find it in Mishpacha or in Yateid and or in Haaretz either because they're not interested in those stories either. But that story speaks to us because it's about human beings. Complicated to be a human being. Full of contradictions. You know, the doctor says, don't allow yourself to be under stress. So I told them that I'm leaving your office right now. <laughs> if I'm sitting in your office, certainly I'm under stress. We're all under stress, right? As long as we're alive. Everyone is born to do stressful things. 
to attend lectures. That's human. Human have stories. Stories have meaning. They're morals. You know, in the Rabbonus, they used to say that uh, the message in, of uh, your sermon, people remember for 10 minutes. Uh, the Medrash, they remember for an hour. The story, they remember the rest of the day. The joke that lasts. But there's truth in that. Because stories make an impression upon us. They really do. So the master storytellers were the Hasidic rebbes. They imparted godliness through stories. One of the great things about stories is it don't have to be what we call true. I call them accurate. The stories are true, they may not be accurate. But they have the kernel of truth in them. That's why they told the story. So you hear a story about the Baal Shem or Rebbe Melech or about the Kotzka Rebbe. So that fills you with pride, with emuna, with faith, with a different vision. And not everybody can sit down and read what they had to say in their learned tones. But the story, the story is there, remains, influences, fills us. And in our time, it's the same thing. People tell stories about great people. I remember my Rebbe once told a story in the Shir in the Yeshiva, and it was pretty fanciful. And it was about a great man and about a very, very holy, noble deed that he did, etc. It was a really a extraordinary story. Unbelievable. So one of uh, the young men in the class said to him, Rebbe, do you believe that really happened? So the Rebbe looked at him and he said, I don't know, but they don't tell that story about me or you. So you can judge a person by the stories that are told about or the stories that the person tells because they characterize the person. And each of us has our own book of stories. So I had this idea for a long time to write a book of stories. And I did it this year. Uh, There are 75 stories in the book. There could be uh, 750. But uh, a lot of the stories that I know, I don't want to print. One has to always protect the innocent. And uh, and some of the stories really are not relevant. 
some are far too personal. But these stories, I think, uh, uh, fit the bill of what I wanted to do. So I have stories from my childhood. My grandfather, who was a great influence on my life, even though I didn't realize it till much later in life. And about my father and mother, about my years in the yeshiva, which were the serenest years in my lifetime. I always say to the young men in the yeshiva, you know, this really is George Bernard Shaw's comment that it's tragic. He said that youth is wasted on the young. Because you don't appreciate it. You're in the yeshiva, you don't appreciate it. 30 years later, 40 years later, you look back and say, that was Gun Eden. That was in the Garden of Eden. You know, to, we used to learn Saturday night uh, at a Seder in the yeshiva. Uh, six of us, we learned till midnight. One of the Bacharim, his father, owned a jeep, a military jeep. Not today, like a jeep, you know. A jeep with no seats, open, and midnight in the Chicago winter, after learning, we would go out to buy ice cream and ride in this open Jeep. I have never in my life tasted ice cream as good. I told this story to one of my grandsons and he said, was the ice cream kosher? <laughs> Which defines the difference in generations. When you don't get it, you don't get it. And we have raised to a great extent a generation that does not get it. That's their attitude there at Israel. That's their attitude to Claudia Israel. That's their attitude towards wealth. They're not sinners, God forbid. They're wonderful people. Learn it. You just don't get it. Stories can help somebody get it. I did many things in my lifetime. I was a businessman. I was a lawyer. The Lord extracted me. I became a rov. I was a rov in Miami Beach. I got to know great, great Jews. Onevizharov, the Satmar Rebbe, Rabbiankiv Kamenetsky, the Tatcharov. Everybody came there. Yeah, I didn't have a beard. I didn't have a black suit. They embraced me. They taught me. It was an unbelievable experience. And then... Uh, I was the head of Kashrus for the OU. There are enough stories there for five books. But I have very few stories from the OU. 
but it helped me. You know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I was in the job six months, or maybe even only six weeks. When I came home and I told my wife, I said, Jackie, you know, this is not for me. This is not what I want to do in my lifetime. So she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a rov. I want to have a shul. I want to make a yeshiva. I want to teach Torah. I don't want to negotiate contracts with Procter & Gamble. So she said, so why don't you do it? I never got along with her because she always had the right answer. And that frustrated me. There's nothing as frustrating as to be married to a woman who is always right. A trait that she has passed on to her daughters, by the way. As my frustrated sons-in-law can testify. So I made a shul in, my, in Muncie where there was no shul. And I made a yeshiva in Mumsi where there was no yeshiva. So I have stories about that too. Because it was pretty interesting. And it was not without difficulties. And then we decided we want to go there to Israel. We want to make Aliyah. We always wanted to come. But there never was the right time. The children are growing up. The children are going to get married. The children are going to have grandchildren. There never is the right time. But we went. So I have stories about our Aliyah. There's no bureaucracy in the world that is as efficient as our bureaucracy. That can frustrate you at every turn. Chazal called it Yisurei Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is Yisurim. Challenges, frustrations, difficulties. Ma pitaum? Miyata? We just had uh, an incident today that. Uh, uh, one of the ministers in the Israeli government is trying to do something that we're connected with. And the minister says that uh, the minister is unable to get an appointment because the bureaucracy, uh, you know, stay in line. So on one hand, that's hardening. But protection is only an evil when it applies to others. So there are stories about Eretz Israel. And there are stories uh, about traveling in the world. I've traveled in the world, been on every continent, I've been to almost every Jewish community in the world. So when I look back at the stories, I said, I think that there are 
moral lessons here that other people can benefit from. I think it'll be a, an enjoyable book to read. It's a short book. It's not very heavy. But it can be read over and over again because circumstances in life change and stories speak to us in different tones and in different ways at different times. I want to say also a comment about the cover of the book of which I am most proud. Uh, the book is called Heads and Tails, T-A-L-E-S, which I thought was very clever. So the designer of the book, Ben Gaston, who is a genius, so he designed the cover, which was a beautiful cover, but somehow it did not appeal I didn't, it didn't make it for me. So he said, what do you think you should have for a cover? So I told him we should get a peacock. The head of the peacock would be heads and its glorious tail, the male peacock, it would be tails. And I thought that would be very decorative. And in his genius, he did it. He made this gorgeous cover. So to me, the cover alone is worth the price of the book. And uh, I was told long ago by my friend, Rabbi Zlotowicz, a blessed memory, that anyone who tells you that covers don't sell a book is not in the book business. So I want to thank you all for coming tonight. And I want to thank you for buying the book. And I hope you enjoy it. And in Mirz Hashem, I hope we will have many more book launches here. And it should be uh, in good health and happiness. Nachas called to sell them. Okay, I'll take care of this.